I'm Gabby Hi, I'm Emily Fennigan. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. Hi, this is Holly Evans. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. Thanks for tuning in once again at Hooked on Sport. We've raised the bat for 6,700 listens since this concept began, so thanks for supporting the Hooked on Sport team. Today is episode 26, and we'll look into the money behind community clubs and how much will be left after we get past the COVID-19 crisis. According to the Australian Sports Foundation, the balance sheets at maybe one in three of our local clubs may be so dire, they won't even be here in 2021. Across the last 35 years, the Australian Sports Foundation has been supporting community clubs to make ends meet, raising more than $350 million to support the needs of local clubs just like yours. But never has the list of needs been so great and so broad. Patrick Walker is the CEO of the ASF. He joins me next. Hi, this is Maeve Flew from the Australian Cycling Team, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Patrick, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Great to be with you, Ben. Patrick, if we uh, talk in a sporting scoreboard term, coronavirus uh, got out in the first quarter with an uh, almost unassailable lead. How much ground has community sport pegged back over the last couple of months? Is the scoreboard level or will we maybe never get there? Uh, look, the scoreboard is nothing like level. COVID is still streaking away at the moment. The problem we've had, and this is one of the big concerns we have, is that people are starting to get back to their sport of choice at the moment. Lots of community sports are starting to edge back. I myself are still playing Masters soccer, and I had my first training session last night. But that doesn't mean the crisis is over because we've got clubs that have had zero income uh, over the last three months. Uh, but still plenty of ongoing costs, utilities, maintenance, rent, and all of that sort of stuff. Getting back to sport doesn't mean the income picture is any better. Lots of members have drifted away from sport because of their own financial hardship or difficulties. Sponsorship has declined. Clubs are telling us about 70 to 80% of clubs are telling us their sponsorship has declined or disappeared. That's not going to open up again anytime soon. So clubs are really faced with a long battle here to survive. And that's that's why the Sports Foundation is trying to raise funds to help clubs in need. What about leagues across Australia? I guess the easiest way for me to put it in perspective is that in South Australia, we have 26 Aussie rules football leagues, country and mm. community leagues. I'm aware of 13 that have already decided not to participate at all in 2020, and there's still a couple that are yet to make a decision. And of course, the longer you leave it, the harder it is to get underway. How are you seeing that, not just with Aussie rules, but with other sports and other leagues right around the nation? Each sport is making its own decision. And I quite understand that the picture you're talking about, Aussie rules down there in South Australia, that is being replicated in other states and territories, I can tell you. And short term, I understand it. You know, it's uneconomic probably to have a five, six, seven game season. Uh, and from a short term cost perspective, they want to keep the costs of running the comp down to the minimum. But then you're going to have people next year who've gone a year without their sport. And we all know that sporting activity, like other things, is a habit. If you have a year away from your sport of choice, the likelihood of you drifting away next season is very high. Certainly in the survey, we're doing 30 to 40 percent of clubs are saying they fear a decline in membership, member retention partly due to financial hardship, but partly due to change of habits caused mm. by this stoppage. It's a really serious issue. So when you say change of habits, are you talking about people that have maybe moved away from a community sports club and they've become a jogger or they've become a cyclist or something like that? Is that part of the issue? 
yeah, part of the issue, I think, finding other things to fill that space, mm. you know, whether it is physical activity, with like cycling or running or walking or whatever, but it could be other things. It could be other interests that have filled that gap where sport was there, both their social release and also their physical uh, physical activity. Other things have taken its place. And, and a lot of clubs are reporting that concern about member decline in future. And then not helped by financial hardship. If you've lost your job or your business has gone under, then you know affording sport for you or your kids is going to be a big issue. What about kids? I mean, that's a, a really pertinent point that you've just raised. Are you concerned that there'll be kids maybe age six to eight who will suffer a, maybe a decline in motor skills and even friendships that they form around sports teams with their mates because they've been isolated by the pandemic and just haven't been able to participate for this period of time? Yeah, again, Ben, I think that's a, a really great point. You know, sport at the community level, it isn't really mainly or totally about who wins the who wins the ladder it's about the friendships you make on the pitch the the skills you learn the whole community that goes around it the volunteers the people who cook the barbecue after the game it's that whole uh, sort of social engagement and kids have really missed that but again if they've been out of the habit of participating in sport for three or four months or, or maybe a year the likelihood of them drifting away and, and pursuing other interests, you know, video games or whatever it might be, is increased. And that, that'll have a really damaging effect on physical health and on mental health. Talking to Patrick Walker, the Chief Executive Officer at the Australian Sports Foundation. Patrick, what are your insights into elite sport? We know what's going on with ARL and NRL and uh, uh, the Australian uh, Rugby Union and all of those sorts of sports that are in the mainstream the, the eyeline of any sort of casual sports fan, the A-League. But what about athletes that are maybe Olympic sports that aren't necessarily in the focus? Has there been extra challenges for them? Are they financially stressed as a result? Some of these sporting codes, are some of the athletes maybe seeing the Olympic Games as now too far away? Yeah, I mean, I might pick the last point first, Ben, and then come on to your other one, because it's it's been really brought home to me. I mean, one of my team members is a Paralympic two times gold medal winner uh, in wheelchair rugby. He took a sabbatical this year from work so he could concentrate on his training, building up to that peak of Tokyo. Obviously, that's now been postponed a year, so his whole training schedule has changed and gone. Best rule in the world to my colleague, you know, he's at the back end of his career. This will be his final Olympics. So in his case, he's going to be a year possibly past his peak when Tokyo does come round. So, you know, a massive impact on their lives, their livelihoods. And in his case, his medal chances caused by the postponement. You then talked about other less high profile sports. I'd say that the problems that you've seen play out at all of the elite sports, whether it's cricket, Aussie rules or rugby league, are being played out at the smaller sports as well, just on a different scale. We've seen people stood down from almost all national and state sporting bodies. Uh, We've seen staff made redundant or, or taking unpaid leave. You know, basically every sport is hurting because their income has stopped. In amongst all of this, Patrick, perhaps explain the role of the Australian Sports Foundation under normal circumstances and I guess what you've had to focus on over the last couple of months and the direction that your organisation will head over the next six to 12 months. We're effectively Australia's national sports charities. Our role is to raise money for sport. Uh, Over the last four years, put that into context, we've helped raise about $165 million for, for Aussie sport. 
We work in two ways. One, if any local community club or club at any level wants to raise funds and registers with the Sports Foundation, they can offer their donors the benefit of a tax deduction for any contributions they want to make to their club. So it's a really tax-effective way of community clubs raising funds from their supporters, their alumni and their networks. The other thing we do, and this is both are probably going to increase uh, due to the COVID crisis, is we raise funds ourselves from uh, philanthropic sources, from trust foundations, corporate Australia, and we distribute those to help community sport and clubs in needs, and in particular to, to help get more kids active through sport, to help more socially disadvantaged communities get active through sport. And of course, the need for the support that we've talked about in both of those two areas is only going to be bigger due to the problems caused by, by COVID. So I guess the next 18 months, we see uh, COVID relief as being a huge focus for the organisation. The survey we're conducting at the moment, we've had close to 5,000 clubs respond. And it would shock you to know probably that 20% of clubs responding think they will go under within three months if they don't receive uh, financial support. 30% think they'll go under within six months if they don't receive financial support. Uh, support. Put that into context, there's 70,000 community clubs in Australia. So mm. somewhere between fifteen and 24,000 clubs could not exist if something isn't done about this financial crisis. So are you finding, therefore, that I guess the source of your funding is having to change and the direction of your funding is also having to be adjusted? Yeah, absolutely. So we're um, we're working more closely with other charities who have an interest in physical health, mental health and community engagement, putting the case for sport as a great means to achieve those things. We're working with all levels of government and obviously the philanthropic community and, uh, and corporate Australia, because we all have a vested interest in a healthy, active, socially connected communities throughout Australia. And sport is a great way to achieve those things. Patrick, in practical terms, if uh, I am a member of a sports club, maybe have a leadership role in a community sports club, are there particular things that I should be focusing on as I try and lead my club out of a lockdown and towards returning to participation of the understanding, of course, that uh, my financial constraints are significant? Yeah, look, I think uh, some of the themes coming back from the survey Member engagement and attraction is a really important thing. So keep the communications going with your members, particularly for the kids, try and entice them back into sport with, you know, some slightly unusual events, make, make sport fun, attract them to get back into the events. And then think about the important role of volunteers. I mean, you know, we all know how much Australia relies on sports volunteers. There's 3 million uh, Aussies volunteer around sport every year. And a lot of those volunteers are of the older generation who may be more vulnerable to COVID and who may be concerned about, you know, health risks. So think very carefully about how you can make it safe and attractive for your volunteers to get back into sport, because without them, the sport won't happen. And Patrick, if I want to be able to raise some funds via the Australian Sports Foundation, how do I go about that? And what are the things that I need to do to ensure that uh, I can make every possible dollar work in the best possible fashion for my sports club? Yeah, well, look, one of the great things is traditional fundraising that sports clubs do, you know, your sausage sizzle, your, your Friday night meat raffle. They've all had to stop largely because of COVID as well. So Sports Foundation offers an online fundraising platform. It's very quick and easy. It's not affected by social distancing or any of those other issues that we're still facing. 
so I would say to any club, you know, jump on our website. And we've got a particular COVID-related uh, campaign page. So it's covid.sportsfoundation.org.au. You can complete the survey for your club so your voice is heard. You can also register your interest in receiving funding from us once we've gone out to the funding sources we're targeting following this survey. And you can sign up to run some online fundraising campaigns to help you through the short term. So really, all the tools we have for you uh, can be accessed through that website. Patrick, have you ever been busier? To be honest, Ben, I have not. Financial year ends a busy time for us anyway, but since this hit in March, it's been flat out. So, uh, and, I, and I honestly don't believe that's going to change in the next 18 months because this crisis is not a three to six month crisis. This is a 12 to 24 month crisis for community sport. And, and our role and our mission really is to make sure community sport survives. I would imagine that when all of this hit, you would have it would have almost been a situation where you just do not know where to start. Do you feel like your organisation and sport in general is at least getting some sort of sense of direction? Look, I think it is, but every individual sport is really focused on their own patch. And I guess where we're different is we really will let the elite look after itself because that's, they've got the resources to do so. But our role is to champion community sport across any sport. And interestingly, Ben, survey responses to date, we've had survey responses from 125 different sport types. I didn't even know there were that many different sports <laughs> in Australia, but I can tell you now that there are. <laughs> well, Patrick, on behalf of 125 sports out there, uh, thank you so much for taking your time to chat to us here at Hooked on Sport. Not a problem, Ben. Great to speak with you. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. The present situation can increase our anxiety, which is completely normal and understandable. To try and reduce some of this anxiety by practicing our breathing or deep muscle relaxation techniques, maybe some mindfulness, or even dancing, singing, or maybe even yoga. And now back to the show. So Patrick has the overview of the nation, but let's focus a little more closely on the situation here at home. How critical is it for our sports clubs and associations around South Australia? Leah Cassidy is a great friend of Hooked on Sport, and as the CEO of Sport SA, knows the landscape around the state perhaps better than anyone. She joins me right after this. Hi, I'm Nastasha Buck, CEO of Gymnastics SA, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Uh, Leah, welcome back. Thanks, Ben. Great to be back as we reboot our sporting community out there. Uh, we are rebooting. Not everyone's getting the opportunity to reboot. We've just heard from Patrick Walker, who said as many as uh, 25,000 clubs may be in the position of going under within six months. It sounds like a doomsday scenario to me, but is that anything like what you're seeing here in South Australia? Yeah, pretty devastating, that, that preliminary result out of that national survey. And unfortunately, we are hearing some of that in South Australia. We know that there's significant women's sport who will need government funding to make sure that they survive this. It is absolutely devastating right from the grassroots through to the elite. And I think Patrick alluded to that. It's not just professional sport. It's our community clubs, which are the heart of sport. The, the biggest participation and the biggest um, volunteer base is in our community sport and, and in our clubs. And we are feeling it right across the board. Leah, I might be a little bit off track here, and this may be a hot take. I, I'm not sure if you were referring to netball when you talked about a women's sport or not, but I'm acutely aware that netball has faced some unique 
challenges uh, with regard to the obstacles that government has placed with regard to their return to sport. Here's my question. Are you better off having a bit of a bulldog as your CEO rather than someone who's a bit too polite and nice? That getting your way often in the current sporting environment revolves around being pretty aggressive and just sort of kicking the government around a little bit? Yeah, it's a really good question, Ben, and I think we've seen this across many generations of sport, and it's not just here in South Australia. We know we've got a a two-tiered sport economy, and in particular, you know, the big uh, male sports that that dominate, Um, and good for them. You know, they they get the participation numbers and that, that can drive their conversations with government. We had hoped that there might be a bit of a shift in thinking through this period that, you know, not the loudest voices were just getting the support, but it was actually the industry as a whole. We haven't quite seen that play out and it would be an absolute travesty if we continue to see just those loudest voices getting the results because, again, this impact is across the board. It's touching every sport. It's touching elite. It's touching community sport. And regardless of how big your voice is as a CEO, we need the government backing the whole industry to get us through this. What about individual clubs? Are you noticing that maybe a club's by uh, being forced to contract, that they're losing members, losing teams, and therefore having to, I guess, still run a sport, but with less subscriptions, less volunteers, and all of those sorts of things associated with the concept of a full club? Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. Just heard um, yesterday, Ben, about a really major junior soccer program that had made the, uh, as they said, the really difficult decision not to run a season this winter. And that is literally thousands of kids every Saturday morning playing soccer who will not get a season of soccer. The concern is, and, and their concern was around the financial ability to run that. It was also a concern about maintaining volunteers and also the safety, which is obviously still paramount, that health of the community and safety of the community. With with that many thousands of kids playing soccer, they just didn't feel comfortable that they had the number of volunteers to maintain the compliance with the COVID standards. And, and that's just one sport. And my fear, as, as was Patrick's, is, you know, we, we could lose a generation of kids to sport who find other avenues because they'll fill the gap with something else if it's not going to play soccer or, or whatever sport it is. And it's not just kids. I, I play hockey myself and uh, the club I play for has lost three senior teams. You know, that's three teams that won't come back. And that's senior teams. So where do our, our kids get their passion for sport? More often it's role modelled through their parents. They, you know, they come along to the hockey club or the footy club. And, and if that doesn't happen for a season, again, people will find other things to fill that gap. Is there anything that clubs can do that can substitute for club versus club competition? Uh, we're very much aware that uh, training in groups has been approved uh, over the past month now is that an adequate substitution or is it something about pulling on the the jersey or the jumper or the dress or or the the uniform of your team and playing against the club down the road I think there is definitely something about the competitive piece and that's not just a winning and losing competitiveness it's about getting out and playing the game that you love and training can do that to a certain degree, but I know myself having trained for the last few weeks and then played the first match, there's something really that kicks in, you know, when you're you're out there that it is just the nature of sport and it's not just the physical nature of it. It, 
that social aspect and having a laugh with your team and uh, having a bit of a, a whinge if you if you didn't play as well as you thought you could. Um, so it's that social stuff and that mental health stuff that's really critical to getting out, in my case, smacking a hockey ball around the pitch as hard as you can and getting out some of your stress and frustration as well, which, again, the training environment does that to a degree, but it, it's the game nature that I think we've, we've all missed and that we all love getting out there and doing. Leah, can this be the catalyst perhaps for the local sports club to become more of a community hub? I think councils have, have traditionally had the uh, the library's an obvious thing that you would want to retain anyway, but the community hall and, and those sorts of things that councils have traditionally invested in perhaps for the previous generation can clubs and sports clubs in particular maybe start to not take over that ground, but become more of a community hub, a place where people do come together, which we've traditionally seen in community clubs over previous generations? Yeah, certainly a good point. And that's exactly what we've seen in the bushfire impacted communities in the hills and KI. And we've been doing a lot of work with those communities. And, and, and that's what they told us, that the first, you know, they'd lost their house Um, their businesses and one of the first they wanted rebuilt was the sporting um, club for that very reason because it was more than just going to play a game of cricket it was where they held their parents and friends meetings it's where they held their mothers and bubs meeting it was more than just the sporting club and I think we see that much more in regional communities than we do in metro communities although again you know talk about my own club and and, you know getting getting there and having a beer afterwards and and socializing and and you know talking about your woes and otherwise it is more than just going and hitting a ball around or kicking a ball around much much more than that and and I think even more so off the back of COVID, that community that your sporting club is, is so critical for our mental, our social, and of course, our physical health. Last question, Leah, around about three weeks ago, you and I were involved in a return to sport forum. It featured Dr. Mark Ralph and Andrew Clarkson, both from the Wakefield Sports and Medical Clinic. The one thing they said was be very, very careful on the return to sport. You don't want to unnecessarily injure yourself. Leah Cassidy, don't tell me you didn't take their advice. I should have tuned into that webinar. I, look, I took one for the team. I saved a certain goal. But as I lunged to save that goal, I did uh, feel my hamstring pop. And, yes, I, I, I've torn my hamstring. I'm sitting here with an ice back. I'm, I'm strapped up. I've been to the physio. Look, the, I'm, I'm keeping the physio in business, if nothing else. But uh, the career's not quite over yet. But I, I, I will be on the sidelines for a couple of weeks. First game back for the Port Adelaide Hockey Club. And of all people <laughs> to blow a hamstring, it's the head of Sport SA, Leah Cassidy. It is. It is ironic, I know. Uh, Sorry, Mark, I let you down. Uh, Leah, thank you so much for your time at Hooked on Sport. Look after that hamstring. We hope to see you back on the park in the next two or three weeks. For sure, Bed. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. So the message from Patrick and Leah is stark, and it's galling, but hopefully not terminal. If you're tied to a club, take a look at the ASF website and see if there are a few fundraising ideas to keep your club afloat in this era of austerity. Our communities depend on our community sports clubs, and right now our community clubs are depending on us.
So that's the last prize in the Chook Raffle on episode 26. As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so feel free to shoot us a note and say good day. Thanks to Ben Watson, who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's producers, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. We'll see you soon at Hooked on Sport. Oh, <laughs> my